Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor James Matson. I get the joy of being hang out with you guys this morning. Uh, I like to begin by confessing my sins, not uh, all of them, because we only have 20 minutes. But um, I confess that I, I have certain passages of the Bible that, that I really struggle with, because they, they reveal that, that there's a gap, I mean, there, there's a gap between uh, how I should be living and how I actually carry out my days. Can you, any of you relate to that? <laughs> Just two of you. Okay, good. <laughs> Today, our, our text uh, challenges my desire to live a comfort-shaped life and calls all of us to live a cross-shaped life. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, just days before Jesus dies on the cross for his sins, he tells four stories about Judgment Day. I know Judgment Day is your favorite topic. Uh, and he ends with a story, which is our story today, the sheep and the goats, from Matthew 25. Are you ready? When the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as he did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Wow, that's pretty heavy, wasn't it? What are you feeling as you take that in? I confess that, that I feel guilty. I should be doing more. I wonder, am I, am I sheep or a goat? I think we naturally read this as if the determining factor whether or not we get into heaven is if I'm doing enough. Am I good enough? But if, if my acceptance before God is based on my ability to do these things on a day-to-day -day basis, I am doomed indeed. I think it is really helpful for us to understand what Matthew was trying to do throughout his gospel. 
He is laser-focused on three things. First of all is that you and I are far bigger sinners than we ever dared imagine. The second thing is the reality that, that we are at our worst precisely, precisely when we think we are at our best. You see, Matthew recognized that many people think that they are good enough on their own. They don't feel like they need a savior to be right with God. So Matthew does, from the beginning to the end, you will see that he continually raises the bar of performance higher and higher throughout his gospel until neither you or I can climb over his performance expectations. So thankfully, the third thing Matthew does in his gospel is remind us that the very reason Jesus came was to save his people from their sins. In Matthew, we hear Jesus' words. He says, For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins, all of our inadequacies, including those good things we never do enough of. You see, Jesus took the judgment that we deserved upon himself. So Jesus saves us from our sins, but he also calls us to live out the values of the kingdom of God, right? The hallmark of the kingdom of God is sacrificial love. Jesus could not be clearer that the way we love others matters. The way we treat the vulnerable, those in the margins, the needy, flow out of our own understanding of our own need for Jesus. So you don't become a sheep because you, you feed the hungry, help the homeless, and visit prisoners. But because you are a sheep, you go and you do those things. The sheep follow the shepherd. We love others because Jesus first loved us. I know that, that there are many of us here who know that we should feed the hungry and help the vulnerable. This isn't uh, new news to us, right? And I'm thankful that many of you are going out and you're doing those things. But for some of us, that knowledge hasn't translated into living that out on a day-to-day -day basis. The shoulds and the oughts of life rarely lead to lasting change. What we really need is a heart change, right? What is the trajectory of our heart? Is it inward, looking at ourselves, at our needs, at our wants, at our desires? Or is it outward? Do we love because God first loved us? I know, for some of you, it's just enough to be reminded that these are the things that we should be doing, and, and then you'll go out and do them. But for the rest of us, I want to give the sermon beneath the sermon. Because I think learning to love like Jesus loves doesn't happen magically. It is a lifelong process of learning to die to self in order to love like Jesus. So let's go back to our passage and look more closely at the sheep and the goats to see what we can learn about changing the trajectory of our heart and moving it outwards towards loving others, okay? So in Matthew's day, the sheep and the goats would graze out in the fields together, and from far away, you could not really tell what was a sheep or a goat. And there's an implication here that Matthew is saying that sheep and the goats really represent religious people, like you and me here. That you can't tell just by looking at you 
Which ones will be saved? Let's first look at the goats in our passage. What do we notice about them? Look at their response to Jesus when he tells them that they have not loved those in the margins. The goats say, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? My initial observation here is that the goats failed to see those in need because they were too self-absorbed. They may not have been overtly avoiding doing these good things, but, but maybe they just didn't see those people. And I can relate to this, right? Being so caught up in my busy to-do list or taking the kids to their many activities, that, that opportunities to reach out to those who are in need often feel more like interruptions than opportunities to love. Pastor Fleming Rutledge has another take on the goats. She says, Apparently, the goats expected to be commended for their good works. She says, he who congratulates himself and having done enough is precisely the one who has not. Did you catch that? She is saying, thinking that you are righteous make you a goat. You see, she says, part of the Jewish ethic is, was to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and visit the sick. So she is saying that the goats were actually doing those things. They were following the letter of the law. I mean, maybe they were doing the minimum, trying to check the box. But they were doing it to try to earn blessing and receive approval. They were trying to earn their right standing before God. And they weren't doing good works out of a heart of love. Well, whether we see the goats as self-righteous or self-absorbed, one of the things I see then is, is that the core of the problem is self. And that made me wonder, I wonder how goats compare to actual sheep. So I Googled it, and I found out <laughs> that goats are proud, they're self-reliant, easily offended, and very independent. Does that remind you of anyone you know? I saw you look at the person sitting next to you, right? I think when it comes down to it, most of us would rather be a goat than a sheep. And it's interesting, we live in this cultural moment where to be called a goat means that you're the greatest of all time. Right? <laughs> right, Tom Brady is called the goat of all quarterbacks, the greatest quarterback of all time. And certainly during the, during the Olympics, we lifted up those who sacrificed so much in order to win a medal. In our culture, we naturally strive for success and achievement and adoration and approval and glory. But I think we rarely count the cost to our families, to our friends, to our coworkers, to our opportunities to love those in the margin as we seek to pursue glory. I think the truth is, is that our own striving for glory, achievement, and approval is allergic to sacrificial love. We probably all have stories where we made choices to be successful ahead of loving others. Maybe staying late at the office trying to climb the corporate ladder instead of going home to help put the kids to bed. Or spending our Saturday training for that, that next marathon instead of going to that service project at church. 
or even just playing one more level of that video game instead of helping mom out around the house. I think that when we're self-absorbed, striving for success, trying to check off the boxes on our to-do list, love always feels like a waste of time. Love always feels like a waste of time. Like when my son wants to play that 10th game of shoots and ladders, love always feels like a waste of time. <laughs> I think that many of us are sheep trying to pose as goats. We are following our culture's call to go up, to achieve, to succeed, to be awesome, to be great, ah, to be the greatest. But you know what? None of those are biblical values. Jesus calls us to something else. At the Last Supper, Jesus heard two of his disciples arguing about which of them was the greatest, right? They wanted to know who was the goat. And Jesus says to them, the one who's the greatest is the one who's the servant of all. Right? We call this the upside-down kingdom. Again and again, we see the upside-down nature of the way that God works, right? In the words of Jesus and his actions, right? That he would rather hang out with the lowly sheep and those in the margins than with the rich and the famous. And I think if Jesus is just an add-on to our life, we live, we live like goats pursuing greatness, expecting Jesus to bolster our agendas. If we receive grace, but then don't take that grace out into the margins, our, our faith becomes toxic. We become Christian hedonists and narcissists. Me, myself, and I are the three greatest obstacles to loving others like Jesus loves me. But the good news is that Jesus is faithfully at work teaching me that when I am weak, then Christ is strong. Jesus is in charge of changing the trajectory of my heart and teaching me how to love. Pastor Chad Bird says this about that process. He says, the more there is of us in us, the less there is of Christ in us. I'm going to say that again. It's so good. The more there is of us in us, the less there is of Christ in us. So God pulls the drain at the bottom of our lives to empty of us, of our pride, our vanity, our perfectionism. God has his ways of emptying us so he might suffuse that void with the power of Christ and the fullness of the Spirit. Isn't this such good news? That he who began the good work in us is faithful to complete it, showing us how to live as sheep and to stop pretending that we are goats. <clears throat> Speaking of sheep, I, I think if we were to characterize sheep, we, we would probably call them uh, dumb, needy, and weak. These are probably not characteristics that we naturally strive for, are they? I found uh, this video that tells you everything you need to know about sheep. <laughs> that sums it up right there, doesn't it? Let's close in prayer. No, I guess let's... <laughs> 
When I first saw that, I thought, this is the perfect description of my relationship with Jesus, isn't it? Like, <laughs> Sheep are really dependent on a good shepherd, aren't they? We get stuck without him. And a sheep's reliance on the shepherd is what, what we need. We need to go deeper into the love of Jesus for us, deeper into our dependence on him, deeper into humility. In order for God to really use us, we need to become weak. The Apostle Paul gives us a picture of this. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but put others' interests ahead of your own. And you see, humility is not just an attitude, but it, it is a physical action of literally placing ourselves lower. We follow the path of the shepherd Jesus, who though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself to obedience to death and died a criminal's death on the cross. So while the world around us is climbing up, we go down, humbling ourselves, because God is at work in the low places. You see, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Grace always flows downhill. To the extent that we see our own need for grace, to that extent, we will give it to others. So I think it's interesting then when we look at the sheep in our passage. Do you notice they give the same response as the goats? And they are so surprised by what Jesus says, right? The sheep say, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? And when do we see a stranger and welcome you? Or when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? You see, the sheep are not keeping score of their good works. They are not doing it because they are supposed to. No, instead, it flows out of who they are as they follow the shepherd. The fruit of our faith in Jesus is always love. So every time we die to self in order to love someone else, we meet Jesus there. The place of sacrificial love is where God is already at work. So if you feel distant from God, look lower. Humble yourselves. Following the shepherd will always involve suffering and sacrifice because this is the path that Jesus walked. There are only two paths in life. The path of self and Jesus' path. So in order for love to flow out of me, I must put to death what is selfish. But here's the good news, right? This is why Jesus came and died for us and was raised to life to set us free from self. If you are in Christ, you are a sheep. You are the beloved of the shepherd. There's no need for us to pretend to be goats and to pursue our own glory. We are freed from the slavery of self. Paul reminds us that 
You were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So what is your next step as a sheep? What is your next step in learning to love like Jesus? Well, I know how much we love action steps, but let me tell you, the most powerful action step you can take is prayer. And I want to challenge you to begin every day by spending time with Jesus, asking him to use you. I have a prayer that uh, we're going to do together here in a minute. It's in three parts. And you can use my prayer or you can write your own as you come every day. But the three parts are confession, receiving grace, and asking the Holy Spirit to lead us. Feel free to steal mine by taking a picture of it with your smartphone. Or don't. It's up to you. I think this prayer will help direct our hearts outward. So we begin with confession. Lord, I confess that I'm completely distracted, preoccupied, and self-absorbed. Deal with my self-centeredness and my desires for approval and glory. And then receive grace. Lord, show yourself to me today. Show me that you love me. I need you, Jesus. I am the needy one. I need your blood and your righteousness to make me whole. Fill me with your grace. And then invite the Holy Spirit to lead you. Oh, Holy Spirit, I'm available today. Use me. Give me eyes to see vulnerable people, the hungry, the lonely, the sick, and the brokenhearted. Give me the courage to move towards them in love. Amen. Can you imagine if you did that every day, how that would change your life? It would give you the courage to take risks for God, to move out of your comfort zone and be intentional to get out of our bubble into places where we have to trust Jesus. Throughout this series, we have given you opportunities to practice changing the trajectory of your heart, opportunities to serve. And this week, we are partnering with with Veep that serves hungry and vulnerable people in our area, and we have the opportunity to restock their shelves. So during the next song, we're going to get up and grab a bag that are back along the windows there. If you are watching from home, the, the list will be online. You can look it up yourself. Uh, and then sometime during the week, you can bring these back here or bring them next Sunday when you come to church, okay? So uh, as we come up, I was like my stall. As we come up, <laughs> it's kind of weird that I was up here by myself at that moment, wasn't it? I think they thought I was going to sing the next song, right? Now, now, when they start playing, we'll go get a bag, okay? <laughs> <laughs>